Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. We did pretty well on our MLB awards predictions. I I'm counting five or six here. Yeah, you're, I'm. I like that you're giving me the Robbie, Ray, giving us the Robbie Ray one. Well, in the end, I think maybe you were swayed. In the end, I think it's fair. You know, I thought about it. There's I, there's a thirty second cut that you probably have that uh, proves. I thought about it a little bit more. Proves that I thought about it a little bit more. And I mean, you're you're absolutely right. The theory of the case is is so right. It's a resurgent. It's a resurgent season and a dominant number of Ks, and that's a thing that voters love to reward. Yeah, it is. I told you. Cole. Yeah. Who really wanted to give it to Cole? It, and we should have used that same lesson to understand that they would give it to Bryce Harper, to give MVP to Bryce Harper in the National League, right? It's the same thing. It's the same story on the other side of the ball. A little bit. Yeah, it was the narrative over it being anything else. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm arguing. Yeah. But we did well. Randy Arozarena, Jonathan India, Shohei Otani, obvious. Corbin Burns, and then just Bryce Harper was the only one we missed. How many more games did Tatis need? That's a good question. There's definitely a number. Uh, I bet it wasn't that many. Or if San Diego had made the playoffs. Yes. Yes. Right. So I think I think zero more games if they just won the last couple. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yep. Uh, yeah, if they if they had gotten into the playoffs, because it was pretty clear that team wasn't really heading anywhere without yeah without him. Let's talk some Wheel of Time. We both resisted the urge to watch more and watched one episode, so we got one down. Uh, you texted me. You thought it was eighty five percent of the way to a great production. I think that was generous. I. If I knew nothing about this and sat down to watch it, I don't know that I would watch another episode. <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. I, it's like that's what like yep. it's not clear to me anything. What, well, a nothing is clear. Like what is what's going to be compelling about this story? Like what's making me come back to watch another one of these? That's, that's sort of fair. They just assume that you would have. Maybe they're just assuming you're going to get through three of these, and, the, and you're going to binge the first three, and then they haven't have you. Um. Uh, yeah. I I sort of agree with you, right? Because you don't the the Rand Iguin um love thing isn't that interesting. The magic teaser, which we can talk more about our opinions of the magic, not really that interesting. Um, the Nineev isn't really that compelling as a like. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this for for more of her. At the end of episode one, she's gone, right? And she's gone like, too. Yeah. Do or is it that really? Do we know if we, if we care about that or not? No, we don't. Yeah, I all of it. There was sort of like an intro. But there's not really enough to like go off of. I mean, I'm, I just I was left wanting more Roos Bolton. That's about it. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I did want more Roos Bolton. Like, ah. It's like, took me a little bit to place him. Like, oh yeah, Roos Bolton, got it. I texted you that eight, 85% of the way to great production. And I'm just talking about the cinematography, the look and the feel of it. 85% of the way there with one specific piece where they failed. Now, I'm not saying everything is 85% of the yeah. way there. I'm saying that overall they got 85% of it right and then probably 15% of it very wrong. And that's mostly the magic. And I also don't know if it was my TV or what, but the fire looked weird. Oh, I didn't notice the fire, but the magic is what felt so made for TV. Buffy. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a good. That's a good one. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like successor to uh, to Game of Thrones. No, no. I I think if you have to show the magic, then you probably you've already lost. <laughs> um, I mean, did did you like did you like the rendering of the Trollocs? Yeah, I was fine with that. I was fine with that. I think that they're a little bit off but i think that their describe their description i would like in my head while i was reading them always be like work yeah obviously. and then but looking at it when they'd be described it'd be like oh it's not really an orc you know so i i was sort of fine with those i i felt like i mean i would have gone i would have gone lord of the rings not uh movie production not hobbit movie production in the sense that these yeah. are so they're obviously CGI'd, like very clearly yeah. CGI'd, and I'm. Oh well, that that piece of it, yes, I agree with. I agree with you there. I think the look of it, feel of it, was otherwise right, though. My actual question is: Does this make you more or more excited or more worried for the fact that Amazon is helming Lord of the Rings next year? I've been sort of concerned that it's never going to actually happen in the Lord of the Rings show, so this has helped me to feel like okay well actually there's will actually be a show well i don't know about the quality got it so you're saying that we need to put forward positive online reviews so that amazon definitely continues their lord of the rings yeah or do we put in really negative ones so that they think hard about making it better no 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 no. i i think that it needs to i think wheel of time i don't think that wheel of time and lord of the rings are going to be connected at all this could be a flop and they'll still go forward with the Lord of the Rings because they paid so much money. For well, it. they're obviously going to go ahead with it, but I want them to learn lessons from this. If they show up Lord of the Rings with with magic, no, like no, this, no, 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 no. That's but that's the I'm problem with tables. the whole like don't. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the problem with this the Star Wars saga yeah. was like Episode Seven was fine. You know, when you watched it, you're like, "This is great. We have Star yep. Wars again." I like some things. A little weird that you decided to kind of like basically rehash episode four, but okay, fine. And then it was like they got that in their head and they're like, whoa, we should (laughs) do things differently. And they went so far the other direction. Everybody said, what are you doing? Well, not everybody. Some people liked it. Marvel people. And then they decided to listen and overcorrect the other direction and be like, what? So I, I don't want this. I want them. I want the creators to take it. Let us hang them after as we want to. I think that the, that the more that they have license, because I mean, like the Game of Thrones guys, they didn't listen to anybody and shows when, you know, they got they got us six really great seasons. Yep. And then kind of tripped going over the line, which I think everybody expected. Books aren't done, to be fair to the those DBs. 
Yeah. <laughs> but little. I would prefer yeah. to have that kind of failure at some point with the Lord of the Rings show than overthink happening now at this point. I guess that's fair. The, from Amazon. This is probably the best wheel of time that we could hope for. Yeah. It's it's hard to see it's hard to see a better wheel of time out there. Well, we'll keep having many thoughts, I'm sure. That was a little bit more wide-ranging than I meant for. We'll come back. Very quickly, EPL, mostly failures. Uh, we predicted this. We put Start these in so two well. weeks ago. We only got the gimme. Chelsea, well, it wasn't really a gimme. Chelsea over Leicester. It wasn't a it gimme. It wasn't a gimme, but it was shorter odds than I would have hoped for. Uh, and then Southampton over Norwich, West Ham over Wolves. Neither one of those went well. Weird weekend. Weird weekend. Yeah. A lot of goals. Didn't like it. Let's just put it behind us. So we like, of this, Chelsea over Man U, Arsenal over Newcastle, Wolves over Norwich. And we'll, uh, I'm pretty confident in Liverpool, but let's leave it. Leicester over Watford. I don't know what happened with that Watford match last weekend, <laughs> but. I, I, I don't, I don't know either. Yeah. I think that this is, that's a, this, I, I don't know. And Leicester is in a weird spot right now. Well, let's talk about our main topic here, which I'm titling the long road to predicting plate appearances. The long and winding, long winding road. road. I, I have this goal to be able to make our predictions self-contained for two reasons. Do it ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for two reasons. Um, one, I would like us to have better preseason rankings. But two, if we have a model that can handle, that can predict plate appearances then we're in a better place during the season to adjust the to model adjust. and adjust people's predictions, which is really what we need to be able to do. Like you need to be able to say, oh, well, I didn't have a very good forecast for Randy or Rosarena, but now that I see that he's batting all of these games, I better jack up his plate appearances and see where that moves his value. Yeah, exactly. He was... Yeah, we we underpredicted plate appearances if he's going to be batting second all year, you know that kind of thing. Be really helpful. Exactly. So we want to be able to keep track of that. So I have this vision for a first order model, and it required scraping down some more data. So that's basically what we're going to talk about right now. Of course, um, always it required scraping down a little bit more data. I have a little bit more data left to analyze that I'm curious to get your thoughts on, um, and then I'll talk okay. through how the model is going to going to work i think and you can tell me if there's any crazy ideas here all right so what i did what i pulled down for data was for each team i went through every single one of their games and tallied how many times each spot in the batting order came up if that makes sense how many plate appearances so yeah if you batted yeah. first for and we're picking houston as our test case the cheaters as you said when i asked you who we should talk about if you used Houston as a test case, if you batted first in the Houston order every game this year, you would have gotten 771 plate appearances. First of all, that's insane. It's a lot. That That is. Yeah. You, you happened to pick the team that got the most leadoffs at bats, PAs this year. <laughs> Sounds about right. I mean, they were pretty good. They're a good offense. And um, wow, they, they were the worst. They were the most. Yeah, I know. Out of nowhere, you picked that. I, once I figured that out. So I went through, uh, okay, second in the order, 751, third in the order, 729, fourth, 709, 699, 685, 663, 647, 630. This is, this is obviously characteristic, right? It's obviously going to decrease <laughs> as you go. It will, and By yes. necessity, yeah. the number of plate appearances has to decrease. And the question is just how over the course of a whole season, how those accumulate over time. 
Um, and I think this is super interesting, actually. This is something that I really... Uh, I've, I've made these before, but I've never sort of studied them in, in detail. And this, this is fundamentally telling you why it's so valuable to hit higher in the order. Oh, yeah. I mean, just going from one to two, you lose 20 plate appearances on the, well, on the top team. But, you know, not every team. But that's 20. That's 20 chances. If, even if you're a 250 hitter, you're going to get a quarter of those. So that's, you know, five extra hits yep. you have if... We're in a free true if three true outcome society. <laughs> like those could be five home runs. Uh, absolutely. I mean this this is a big deal. And I think the obviously we focus a lot on the stark difference between well, you should focus also on the difference between first and ninth. I mean, this is like this is why you can be this furious when Byron Buxton is being batted ninth, right? Because I've got the numbers here. That's twenty five percent less at bats <laughs> than batting first. Yeah. Over the course of a seat, over over you know any integrated stretch of time, I have a so okay so that that's the that's the most simple thing, um, and I pulled this for each team. Do you have you want to you want to hear any numbers for any other teams? Anyone you're curious about? I've got these I've got these all right here. Um, the twins were bad, in case you were wondering. They were my they were my test case. Oh, well, worst team. Yeah. So what's what's worst team is Rangers. Te- just so you know, Rangers had the yeah. fewest. That I guess that's not really that surprising. Um, what's a team that has a guy that has a potential to be a top player this year who's not being talked about right now? Who's not being talked about right now? Or who's you know, yeah, who's not? Mm, what? Okay, well, let's go to the other World Series team, Braves. Oh, okay. So so Atlanta's got seven forty three at the at the peak. And but they have a they have a huge tilt in that if you batted ninth on the Arizona uh, Arizona in the Atlanta lineup, you only got 598 plate appearances, and that's every single game. Here's kind of an interesting one: um, Baltimore, Cedric Mullins batting leadoff, right? Only gets 730 uh, plate appearances for the leadoff batter. The vision for what we're going to do with this was that you have this list now, and the thing that we talked about last week was. Uh, that I had gone through every lineup or every every game and scraped down who batted where in the lineup. So you know exactly how many times, how many games Jose Altuve batted first, for instance, for, for Cleveland. So that's that's like one of your key things. And what about uh, what about Michael Brantley? Like you know exactly where he bats in the lineup. Houston's an interesting one because they had a pretty regular lineup in general. Um, like they, they didn't move their lineup around a ton. So one thing that, so the vision was to take this list of how many times each spot in the order came up and simply multiply that by the frequency that a batter appeared in that slot in the lineup. So Jose Altuve bats in 144 games at first for, for leadoff. And so I just multiplied those two together and came up with uh, 685, for Jose Altuve. And if I told you, oops, I lost it. If I told you what Jose Altuve's Jose Altuve's actual plate appearances this year, 678. So okay. we have we, That's we have an immediate for this is my immediate first step. First order. Yep, exactly. So I got first order. <laughs> That's it right now. And my question is 
it gets more complicated when players bounce around the lineup. Right? It does, you know, it does get a little bit more complicated, but we should still be able to sum these all up. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I understand that, and I agree with you. That's you've done the, the first order, and then the second order is going to be where it really gets hard and interesting. Yeah, but but the first order is good is good enough for predictions if a guy slid around in if a guy moved teams and you knew where they were going to bat or you were able to predict where they were going to bat this first order prediction would help because you you sort of have this characteristic um curve from first to ninth well i have this kind of yeah and i kind of have this in my head of like we're we're drawing the line for plate appearances and the uncertainty band you know, over the course of the season is going to go all the way to zero, right? From it being not infinite, but <laughs> we're predicting, you know, for some players we might be predicting 600 and then they, they don't ever get there. But, and you know what? Sloan does love uncertainty bands. <laughs> there is, excuse me, there is something interesting about this project. Um, possibility for that. If, we, if you can get it tuned right. I, I did put together two actually figures that I that I wanted to mention because um, yeah let's let's talk through these because I don't entirely understand yeah there's there there is some I mean there's something interesting them. about the about how different teams respond or how different teams manifest in the batting order list because you could you could imagine okay well maybe we should just do a full by league like in all of MLB here's what it's worth to bat first and here's what it's worth to bat ninth in terms of plate appearances. And that's fine, but that ignores that there's spread between different teams. And you pick the Astros, who happen to have the highest distribution, and that matters in this. So what I plotted here was the number of times that the first uh, spot in the batting order came up on the x-axis. And on the y-axis, for the same team, took the number of times that the first spot came up, divided by the number of times that the ninth spot came up. So for the Astros, this is the point is 771 and then 771 divided by 630, which gives you about 1.22. Okay, so and that 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 ratio spread is somewhere from 1.22 to 1.26. Yeah, I think so. Not in, even in general, and there is a slight negative correlation here in the sense that you if there's a there's a bigger spread you you really want to be first on a bad team right yeah cedric mullins versus whoever's yeah whoever's yeah is, is really getting hammered because you know they're they're getting those are the ones that show up with less than 600 plate appearances even if you batted every single game in the ninth spot right you're not gonna get 600 yeah. which is crazy and then i showed you for contrast actually there is a slight positive correlation if you compare the first and the fifth spots in the batting order. So for the Astros, for instance, that's 771 and 699. But if you did this for all teams, you see that it's actually on, on bad teams, the gap between first and fifth is smaller than the gap between than the, than for good teams on average. Yeah. So there, there's less of a penalty for batting first through fifth on a bad team than batting Six, seven, eight, ninth on a bad team. You really don't want to be sixth through ninth on a bad team. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we have we've we've come across that before, though, uh -huh. right? We've said like you really being on a good team, it doesn't really matter one through five yeah. where you're going to be. 
on a bad team, you'd prefer to have someone high up in the order, and you really can't have someone yeah. low. But on a good team, you can have someone who bats six or seven. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's right. I mean, look, look at this. You're seeing that. Talk that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Astros 663 pale appearances. If you batted seventh, that's pretty good. That's okay. I think that about brings us to the review session. Ahmed Rosario. You know, I briefly wasn't excited about this, but I got more excited by watching him. I yeah. think so. Ahmed Rosario. Yeah. I, what, what was your reaction? I know I do this. I I actually I like him and want him to be a thing. He reminds me um, mostly because he was a Met and has like just the look of him. He reminds me a little bit of Carlos mm, Gomez. Yeah, and I'm wondering if he um, he can have that sort of. He's a, he was a blue chip prospect. Yep. It hasn't gotten. He has not been able to get started. I feel like he will. At some point in his career, he'll be a guy who has a top 10 fantasy season. And it will be out of nowhere. Well, then it's going to be in the next couple of years. I mean, okay, let me give, it's you, gotta let me be. give you a yeah, stats. So it's got to be, gotta be next be. five well, years. Yeah, sure, sure. One of the next five years. Uh, 2021, he got 588 plate appearances, 77 runs, 11 home runs, 57 RBIs, 13 stolen bases, 282 average. So unlike a lot of the guys that we've talked about recently, that's ownable in fantasy. Yeah, which actually makes it which makes him very it interesting, is. especially coupled with what you just said about if you think he's really going to have a breakout, then this is a guy that you probably should own in late late rounds of the draft. Yeah, I mean, one of the ways you know this is you look at baseball savant, and there is a little bit of red in his percentile rankings. He's got him, but yeah, I mean, he's going to be a guy that you're going to have in your head what the value is, and if you wait on him, you might have a good return. But you should, I don't know that he's a guy that you should be reaching for because we don't have anything to suggest that next year he's going to make make a jump. No, I think I think the the key thing is going to be looking for his plate discipline to get better, right? Because he's he's not oh, yeah. walking and he's chasing a ton, so got to improve there. <laughs> yeah, is that is that a um, being on a bad team thing? That's a good question. I mean. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, he was on a different team before, but you know, the Mets are are Mets versus Cleveland. Which one is? <laughs> well, there there is a there, there is a difference there because Mets when the Mets are bad, the Mets are bad because they didn't even try to be bad and they were bad. Cleveland is like barely rostering a team and is like a quadruple A team. That's why he's a perfect player for that team because he's a quadruple A player right now i mean he's gonna get a lot of reps i i mean obviously obviously the the fantasy value is there from the stolen base perspective alone yeah he could go off for 30 he could do a cedric mullins next year and go off for 30 plus i think so i mean i think i think they should i think they should run him more the mets obviously ran him more than than cleveland did this year i i mean i'd like to see him run more and 282 average this year 272 career that's enough to get him on base. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, it is. It's not like he's never on base. His OBP is low, as per our what we said. But that's kind of good in fantasy. You kind of you want to have a guy that that gets on base, not just from from walks. Especially where is he batting in the lineup? In the lineup, he was. Oof, wow, this uh, Eddie Rosario was in here. Ahmed Rosario batting number two. <laughs> I mean, so if, when he plays, they're giving him some. 
they're getting him some some rope. He's in front of Ho- if he's in front of Jose Ramirez. Oh, Jose Ramirez has got to get his act together too, obviously, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm less concerned about him. No, I'm I'm sort of excited about Ahmed next year. Okay, well, so where would you take him relative? I mean, we've we've talked about a lot of shortstops. You're not taking him as are you taking him as your second shortstop? As I mean, my, as like number as my number. Oh, you mean as like if I, if we're talking about like um, TGFBI? Yeah, well, I'm talking yeah TGFBI, or I'm talking about would you? Are you really going to roster three shortstops? I mean, are, is he worth taking over any other second shortstop that you would get? I mean, we're deep in the season now, right? <laughs> like we're... Yeah, I think that he is. I think if if you have a player that you think is is going to be able to get a lot, of, like I wouldn't back up um, Fernando Tatis mm. with Ahmed Rosario. Well, no, maybe I would because you know that Ahmed Rosario is going to play. And you know that Tatis will miss time. So having him in there is going to be like, okay, well, he's going to play and he has some upside. I think there are a lot of situations where you would have him in there as your second shortstop. Not your, definitely not your first. If you have him as your first. You've done something very wrong. You better be stacked somewhere (laughs) else. We just, we just, we're at, I mean, this is the 38th guy that we've talked about, right? Like, and I'm not saying that we always went perfectly in order. But we had talked about 38 guys <laughs> before this. Ahmed Rosario, like, in the t- 220s range is where he's going to be in fantasy, according to Fantasy Pros next year. That's a good spot to get him. This is the end of the season rankings, I, I should say. This was the end of season rankings. Had him at 220. I would bet in drafts he ends up somewhere inside the top 200 because I think there are... Uh, I'm not going to be in the... Mi- I'm going to be in the minority, but... I'm not going to be on a hill by yeah. myself saying Ahmed Rosario could have a breakout year. Would you you'd take him over Chris Taylor because of the upside? Yeah, I think in most situations I would. There there might be a situation where where I don't. Okay. I think I'm more likely Chris Taylor is going to be a guy that you're going to pick up if you have a really solid team and you want to squeeze out a couple more plate appearances. With that eligibility all over the place, you might he might be more valuable to you than Ahmed Rosario. If you're looking for someone to sit on your bench, who could be a top, who you you have the wild card ticket uh, to you know potentially have a top fifty player, then yeah, then you'd rather have Ahmed. All right, you heard it here first. Flyer on Ahmed late rounds next year. If he makes it to the two twenties, definitely grab him. I would say. <laughs> Yeah, what do you th- what do you think his um, his draft position is going to be? I uh, I actually, I don't think that many people are going to reach. I think that you could. I think you'll probably be able to get him. I think two twenty is probably a good number to throw. Two twenty is probably a good one. Yeah, I want to. How do I? Can I see twenty twenty one preseason projections from Fantasy Pros? Let me see. Where was Ahmed? Was somewhere ugh. they had him for four forty six at bats, fifty six runs, eleven home eleven home runs, fifty RBIs, twelve stolen bases, two seventy seven. So he don't he outperformed what fantasy pros thought. Well, I mean, he didn't have much. He didn't have much in the way of track record before this year. He obviously put up his what I would say was his aggregate best year this year. 
Right, and the heart, not a high bar to, no. to get over. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for him next year. I think that he has a chance, 26, good age to have a breakout year, good team to have it. I mean, I could see the Indians keep on doing doing something with nothing. So this could be the year. All right, who are we doing next week? Next week, Willie Adamas. Oh, I know, I know. You made us. You made it. You wouldn't let us switch switch people around. So here we are. No, the uh, manual random changes. That's recipe for Fair disaster. Enough. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yay!